All right, we are super excited about the men's conference, our first ever men's conference this Friday night. Are you guys excited about it? We're going to get a couple hundred men uh, in the room. We're going to eat some good food. We're going to do some manly stuff. We're giving away a Blackstone grill. And I just want to go ahead and put it out there that everyone who comes is eligible to win the Blackstone grill. Like everyone is eligible to win the Blackstone grill. And I had been praying and fasting because I've been, I've been wanting one of those. Uh, super excited. One, one of my good pastor friends, Brian Bloy, is going to be here. And Brian is pastor of a church, a Westridge church uh, over in North Paulding County, uh, mega church, over 5,000 folks on a Sunday morning. He and I have been good friends for the last 18 years. He hasn't been able to come on Sundays mornings because he does what I do on Sunday mornings. But since it's on Friday night, he's coming. And I know he, he's going to have a powerful word for us. He's going to inspire us to be the men that God has called and created us uh, to be. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up, to go ahead and sign up. I think the deadline is tomorrow. So get signed up uh, for our men's conference. The other thing I'm excited about the men's conference is the axe throwing. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm like the best axe thrower uh, at Greystone Church. And these are not my words. The guy who owns Southern Axe Company, Jeremy Bowers, he told me. He said, you are the best person at Greystone. So I want to show you a little video here just to prove it. I just want to prove to you guys my axe throwing prowess. Here we go. So, um, I was trained in Scotland. We were over at Scotland, this guy's backyard. One of these Scots was teaching me how to th throw axes. And so anyway, anyway, if you think you can beat me, sign up for the men's conference. Come on out uh, Friday night. It's going to be a, a lot, a lot of fun. And so, you guys excited about today? All right. So, we are in Acts 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts uh, chapter 3, we're in the middle of the series called Advance, and we are expanding the kingdom of God. We're studying through the book of Acts, and God is moving. I don't know if you guys can tell. I don't know if you guys can feel it. Like, I'm on fire for God. Our church is on fire for God. Last Sunday, uh, here at the Azura campus, we had people at the Walton campus, people at the County campus, and also we're starting a new work in Milton, which, by the way, I worked in the Brett Favre story last uh, Sunday up in Milton, um, but last Sunday, 13 people committed their lives to Jesus Christ, right? So God is moving. Double-digit people are getting baptized today, okay? It's going to be a phenomenal day at Greystone Church. We're in, we're in Acts chapter 3. We're modeling ourselves after the very first church. And so Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says... Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And so they had a three o'clock prayer service. We have started a prayer meeting, old-fashioned prayer meeting at all of our campuses. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that in the future. And I'm just gonna summarize this passage for us, okay? So we're, today we're in Acts three and four. So Peter and John are going in the temple. And there's this lame crippled beggar that's been at the temple gate, 
the gate called beautiful for years and years and years. The people would carry him to the gate. He was born lame. He was born crippled. So for days and weeks and months and years and years and years, this guy has been at the gate begging for money. And as Peter and John are coming in, he asks them for some money. And I I want you to see something here. Because a lot of times we ask God to do what we think he can do, a little money, when God wants to do so much more than we're ever asking him to do. And I love what Peter says. He says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I can give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the powerful name of Jesus, stand up. And he reaches down and he picks this man up. This whole life he's been crippled and hadn't been able to walk. And immediately, God heals his ankles, God heals his feet, God heals his legs. He starts jumping up and down and he's praising God for the first time in his life he's ever walked. And he goes walking in the temple with, uh, with Peter and John and then they're celebrating. And everyone recognized him because they, they'd seen this guy for years. And they all start celebrating. When miracles happen, people start celebrating. When we see miracles happening, when we see people healed, and we see people uh, recovering from addiction, and we see prodigals come home, and, and we see God providing in miraculous ways, and we see families restored, we get excited and we start praising God. And so Peter takes this opportunity, of all the people are excited, he, he, he takes this opportunity to boldly share the good news of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel. And he's preaching to thousands of people, and the religious leaders come, and they don't like it because he's talking about the resurrection that we, through faith in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection from the grave. And so they throw Peter and John in jail that night. But, but listen to what happens through the course of all this. Acts chapter four, uh, verse four says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So 5,000 men. So you assume their wives put their faith in Jesus as well, plus the kids, So we're up to 10,000 adults plus kids in just a matter of days, right? It was just a few days before this that Pentecost happens. 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. They're baptized on the spot. And just a few days later, we're up to over 10,000 people. We're, We're talking about a great move of God. The Holy Spirit is moving. And so they put Peter and John on trial and they say, they say, by what power and in whose name have you done these things? And listen to how Peter responds. Chapter four, verse eight of Acts. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. 
the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, and then he quotes Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And then he says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. He boldly shares the powerful name of Jesus. And then he goes on to share that salvation is found in no other name. That Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Now, if we wanna see God move, and not that there's a particular formula, but if there is a formula, this is one to follow. It says, it says first, he was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. When you become a Christian at salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Now, as we're filled with the Spirit, what that means is we're allowing him to control our lives. We're surrendering our control to his control. We're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so how we're filled with the Holy Spirit is, is we say less of us and more of you. We pray, we get on our knees, we humble ourselves. Less of us, more of him. We empty ourselves out in prayer so that we can be full of the Holy Spirit. His will be done, his kingdom come. We're under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The second thing we do is we boldly speak the name of Jesus. We proclaim the name of Jesus. And we preach the truth of God's word. I, I talked about this last week, but we're standing upon the truth of God's word. This is the authority of our lives. And it says that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There are no other ways. He's the only way. Like, this is the truth. I know that that's not popular opinion. I know that that's not politically correct. I know that's not being inclusive. It's extremely exclusive. But this is the truth. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, nobody, zero people, <laughs> Nobody is getting to the Father. Nobody is getting to heaven, but it's only through Jesus Christ. He is the only way to salvation in heaven. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one road that leads to heaven, and that's the road of Jesus. He is the gate, he is the way. It's the highway of holiness. It's the narrow road. It says, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few people find it. But broad is the road and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Eternal separation from God. And the majority of the people in the world are on that broad road. We wonder why our world's crazy. We wonder why our country's crazy. Because most of the people are on the broad road that leads to destruction. Only a few people are on this narrow road. 
And you need to ask yourself today, am I on that road? Have I put my faith in Jesus Christ? Has the Holy Spirit come into my life and made me a new creation? Is my old life of sin gone? And am I living a new life in Christ? And then secondly, we, we need to make sure our kids are on that road. Are my kids on that road? Has Jesus changed their lives? Does the Holy Spirit have control of their lives? Or is something else influencing their lives? All right, I'm about to start the message. That, I, that was just the warm up, right? That's the introduction. Are y'all with me? Are y'all are okay? We're on fire. We're on, we got a fresh wind, fresh fire going. I think this verse is gonna change your life. So excited to share this verse. Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The men who are performing these miracles, the men who God is using in just a few days to lead 10,000 adults plus children to faith in Jesus Christ are unschooled, ordinary men. Like these are the fishermen that Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says that once they left their nets and they followed Jesus. These are the fishermen who left their nets and followed Jesus. They have no seminary training, they have no formal education. Here's the main idea for today and I hope this challenges you, I hope this encourages you. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Does that excite you? I hope it excites you. Because we are a church full of ordinary people. <laughs> I'm an ordinary person. I grew up unchurched. I grew up not going to church. I didn't know the Bible growing up. It wasn't until middle school my mom gave me a Bible, started reading it, I didn't understand what it meant. Then, then I found out there's a New Testament. There's an Old Testament, New Testament. Got to the New Testament, Matthew, started reading it. Got to the Lord's prayers. Like, oh, that's the prayer we pray before the baseball games and basketball games. I never knew the prayer. It took me three nights to memorize that prayer because the next sporting event, I wanted to be praying that prayer, which by the way, we used to pray the Lord's prayer before sporting events. Now people miss church for sporting events. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I grew up in public school in Mississippi, the 50th ranked state in education in all of the United States. Okay, I went to state college. I do not have a blue check mark by my name on social media. I am not a published author. I am not a professional athlete. Now, in my mind, I am. In my mind, I'm a professional athlete in the body uh, of a pastor. 
Which, by the way, I didn't even get invited back to play on the church basketball team. I started the church basketball team. I'm the pastor of the church. Oh, you're too old. You're too slow. Had my biometric screening. The lady said I'm at 27% body fat. But then she said, but you're very well proportioned. I said, I'll take that. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He wants vessels who are available (laughs) to be used by him. So the difference is it's the Holy Spirit empowering us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want desperately to see our church on fire for God. My goal today, I don't know if y'all can tell, I've been on fire I want you guys to be on fire. And fire in the Bible represents God. And I've got a little teaching here that I did the other night on fire. And God is a consuming fire, so check it out. The word fire appears in the Bible more than 400 times. Hebrews 12, 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. Fire represents God in the Bible, it represents the person of God, the power of God, the presence of God, and the protection of God. And in the Old Testament, God appears to us on several occasions in the form of fire. We have Moses in the burning bush. We have Moses on Mount Sinai when the consuming fire comes down and engraves the the Ten Commandments. We have the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the wilderness. Uh, And in Exodus 30, Moses asked if he could see God's face. And God says, if you see my face, you will die. But I'll put you in the cleft of the mountain and I will pass by, my glory will pass by and you can see my backside. And Moses saw the glory of God. In Exodus 34, it tells us that his face was glowing because of the glory of God. And he had to put a veil on his face. And in the Old Testament, Fire represented so many things. And in Zechariah, the angels come to the young prophet and they say, we're gonna put a, a wall of fire outside the walls of Jerusalem for protection. But inside the walls, it will be God's glory. The fire will be the glory of God. And we pray as we think about Jerusalem as the church, that outside the walls of the church, that, that God has put up this, this wall of fire, this wall of protection, his angels with chariots of fire protecting us. It's something I pray every Sunday, that God will put a hedge of protection around our church, around our campuses, around our families, around our marriages, around our kids. But inside the church is the presence of God, the glory of God, the fire of God. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in the, in the temple and in the tabernacle and in the pillar of fire. God dwelled on the outside in the Old Testament. But with the New Testament, Jesus brings in a new covenant. John the Baptist says, I will baptize you with water for repentance. But there's going to be one who comes after me, more powerful than me, whose sandals I can't even untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
When we become Christians, we put our faith in Jesus. When we're born again, he breathes the Holy Spirit in us, the, the Spirit of God, fire, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. See, in the New Testament and now, it's, the, it's, 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 it's our lives, the believer's lives. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit lives in us, that Holy Spirit fire. And if we are passionately living for God, we are going to reflect the glory of God. And when the people of God come together on Sundays for worship or, or in small group or, or for our weekly prayer meeting and all the fire of God, we're going to burn bright for God. And, and he, he's going to shine brightly through us and our church will be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Second Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed to His glorious image. So when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Jesus, we ask Jesus to come into our lives. He comes into our lives in the form of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized with fire. And so the fire of God should be inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We're, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. That we should be so on fire for God that people can see him in us and we are reflecting his glory. And so if you know Jesus, if you put your faith in him, you have the Holy Spirit fire in you. Now, it may have dwindled low. <laughs> and, and so many times Christians, and, and, and Jesus talks about this in, in Revelation 3, the, the church of Laodicea, that they had become lukewarm in their faith. And if we're lukewarm, God's gonna spit us out of his mouth. We want to be on fire for him. So I'm going to give you some practical ways to be on fire for God. Some practical ways. The first one is to fan the flame daily. To fan the flame daily. Now, what was so special about Peter and John? What was it that, that made a difference in their life? Let's look back at the verse, Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Now, here's the difference in their life. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That was the difference in their lives. They had been with Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with fire. And people could see a difference in their lives. Are you spending so much time with God, so much time with Jesus, that people are taking note? She's been with Jesus. I shared with you last week that the, the ways that I've grown the most spiritually are, are through my quiet time, my time alone with God, and being in a small group. Are you spending so much time with God that people look at you and say, that person's been with Jesus. That person's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That person is on fire for God. It says in 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God. How we fan in the flame the gift of God, how we stoke the fire is through spending time with Jesus, through getting in his word, through getting in prayer. You know, back in the day when we're talking about fanning in the flame the gift of God, there, there was no like gas starter. Like we have a little gas starter to start our fireplace and it's so easy, you know, you just turn the gas on. Well, you gotta, you gotta fan the flame, you gotta stoke the fire. You, you, gotta, you gotta make sure your fire is staying hot. One of the reasons I'm so on fire for God right now is I'm spending hours and hours and hours every day in the Word of God. Every day. And I'm loving it. And if you are struggling with worry and fear and anxiety, I encourage you to spend more time in the Word of God than you spend watching the news. Okay? <laughs> That's what I've been doing. I'm spending a whole lot more time in the Word of God than watching the news or on social media, those kind of things. So we have to fan the flame daily. We've got to spend time with Jesus daily. Number two is gather weekly at the bonfire. This is the bonfire. This is Sunday worship. This is where those of us who are filled with Jesus are gathering together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, some people have kind of given up coming to church. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching. The judgment day, the second coming of Christ. Like, like, like it's coming which is all the more reason that we should be gathering for worship. And those of us who are on fire for God, when we get together with other people who are on fire for God, we should be so passionately worshiping Jesus that the spiritual temperature in this place is burning hot and high and bright. Like if someone were to walk through the doors of our church that's never been here before, Will they know that we're on fire for God? Will they know that Jesus is burning bright within us? Because we are passionately worshiping him. We should set ourselves on fire and watch people, people come and watch us burn. If you ever go to a bonfire, like you have a bonfire at the beach, like people just start coming and check it out because they, you know, they're attracted to the fire. People come out of the darkness and into the light. And if we set ourselves on fire, People are gonna come watch us burn. They wanna be a part of it. It's just like at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes, this fresh wind, this, this fresh fire. Thousands of people wanna know what's going on. And then Peter stands up and he preaches and he tells them what's going on. We should be so on fire for God that people are hearing about it. People in our community are wanting to come be a part of it. This is the bonfire. This is when we're gathering for worship. Number three is to stay in the campfire, which is small group fellowship. To stay in the campfire. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Small group is that midweek opportunity to get back in the fire. Like, yeah, we're on, we're on fire on Sunday, but how, how, how are we doing on Tuesday? 
How are we doing on Wednesday? How, how are we doing on Thursday? See, small groups, the opportunity to, to get back in the fire. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's, it's an opportunity for the, the logs to rub together, to encourage one another, spur one another on. I've used this illustration many times at church, but if, if you have a campfire and you have the logs, and they're on fire and they're burning hot, will you take one of those logs out of the fire and you put it over here by himself or herself and say we represent a log? Well, that log's gonna burn out. If that log is just by itself, it's eventually gonna, gonna burn out. It's gonna, it's gonna lose its, its flame. We have to take that log and put it back in the fire. And so many people are out of fellowship. So, so many people uh, are not in small group. And people say, well, I need to take a break from small group. Well, hey, we just had a two-month break. <laughs> we just had December and January. We're starting in February. Get back in the fellowship. Get back in a small group. Stay in the fire. Be around other people that are gonna encourage you and spur you on. And then you can do the same for them. The number four is we add fuel to the fire through our weekly prayer meeting. You wanna see a fire get ignited, you throw some gasoline on the fire. Steve, the neighbor, loves throwing gasoline on a fire. I've, I've seen him. He'll throw that gasoline on the fire. I'm excited about our weekly prayer meeting. We just kicked it off this week, and they sent me a logo at first, and it was like this girly pastel purple logo. And I'm like, no, give me a logo with some fire. Give me like a manly logo. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're on fire for God. And this past week, we, we gathered here at the Azor campus on Tuesday nights at six o'clock, and we didn't get a head count. People asked me, well, how many people were there? I asked Joe, and he said, well, I think about 30 were there. We asked Josh, he said, oh, I think about 60 were there. <laughs> Josh has been a pastor for longer, you know. <laughs> Pastorally speaking, you know, we count feet. And so, I don't know, maybe there, maybe there were 40 people. But those of us who were able, we got on our knees and we're, we're praying. We're praying that God will use our little church of ordinary people this year, 2022, to see 365 people crash the waters of baptism. And we're believing in faith that that's gonna happen. It begins today. It was, it was like a, after we all prayed, well, there were a couple people that were coming for prayer and they needed healing. And, and we started over, over here with, with Michael Kohler and he, he hadn't been able to lift his, his arm above his shoulder for, for a year and a half. We laid hands on him, prayed for him. This morning, first service, he's raising his hands. Like God, like God healed him. And then we came, we came over here and we huddled around another person. And we prayed for her and trusting God to do a great work in her life and in her family. And, and we prayed truth and, and prayed the word of God into her life. And, and then it's like this prayer of me, but then we had another uh, young man who'd come over from the Oconee campus and wanted us to pray for him. And so we, we take the prayer amoeba over there and we're praying for him and speaking truth into his life. And, and God is moving. It has fuel to the, to the fire. We, we wanna see a great move of God. It, it begins with prayer. The people of God, where two or more gather in Jesus' name, he is here with us. If two of you agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. 
We're asking for salvations. We're asking for lives to be changed for all eternity. We're asking for a revival. We're asking for a new move of God. God's doing something new. He's doing something special. The application today is very simple. Set yourself on fire. Whatever it is you need to do to set yourself on fire, I would encourage you to do it today. See, God is speaking to you. And what he's speaking to one person, he speaks something different to another and and different to another. That's one of the amazing things when I get up here and share the word of God, is God speaks something different to different people. I don't know what he's speaking to you, but I want you to act on it. Step out in faith. Be obedient. I wanna ask everyone at all of our campuses, Walton Campus, Oconee Campus, everybody online, everyone here, pull out your communication card. I want every single person to pull this out. It's under your seat, it's on the seat cover in front of you. There's a place for you to put your name and, but there's this next steps. And every week when we hear the word of God, we just don't wanna just hear the word. We don't wanna puff ourselves up with this knowledge. We're to be doers of the word, says in James 1.22. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. What is God leading you to do? What's your next step of faith? What's your next step of obedience? We're responding to him. We have this response time at the end of the services. And so maybe for you, it's at the very bottom, says I'm committing my life to Jesus today. Maybe God's been speaking to you and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not on fire for God. I don't think I have the Holy Spirit in me because my life hadn't changed. And if that's you, let today be the day of your salvation. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you. He paid the penalty for you. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's calling you to himself today. Quit putting it off. <laughs> Make the decision today. Today is the day of your salvation. To repent. I'm calling you to repentance. To turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus. To begin a new life in Christ Some of you need to get baptized. Now we already have several people at all of our campuses scheduled to get baptized. But maybe God's leading you to get baptized. You haven't been baptized since you've put your faith in Jesus. Every baptism in the Bible is after salvation, after someone puts their faith in Jesus. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit when you come to know Jesus, but then you go public with water baptism. And maybe God's letting you to get baptized. Why are, you, why are you putting it off? On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people believed, repented, and were baptized on the spot. You could get baptized on the spot today. We have a towel for you. We have a change of clothes for you. Our team will be waiting down front when we move into uh, our response time. We'll be down here to talk with you and, and help you. I encourage you to crash the waters of baptism today. We're having our newcomers 
class, which is our membership class, right after this service. If you're not an official member of the church, I would encourage you to join the church. We'd love for you to be a part of our church, to be a part of our fellowship, to be a part of what God is doing, to find your place of service, to get connected, to use your gifts and, and your abilities. Maybe it's joining a small group. Like, they start this week, so this is a great time. If you don't know what small group to be in, then come on Tuesday nights. We've got Rhonda's Bible study for the ladies. We've got my discipleship group for the men. We've got Celebrate Recovery. We're starting it off with prayer. Tuesday night's a great night to be up here. Maybe for you, it's just joining the men's conference, signing up for the men's conference. So many men hadn't committed to this. Why not? It's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time Friday night. Love for you to come. Whatever decision you need to make, I'm calling you right now to step out in faith. If it's to get baptized, come down front and get baptized. Take action. Be a doer of the word of God. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that we do not have to work our way to heaven. We don't get to heaven through being a good person. We don't get to heaven through coming to church or through reading our Bibles or, or through uh, jumping through certain spiritual hoops. It's only through faith in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you are here today at any of our campuses or watching online, and you're unsure of your salvation, you're not sure if, if you're going to heaven, I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer just in your heart, on your own, in your seat, where you are. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess my sins to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm gonna do the best I can to repent, to turn from my sins, and put my faith in you. I pray that my old life is gone. I'm getting off the broad road, and I'm getting on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And if you prayed that prayer, your life will change for all eternity. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make. God, I pray for those who are contemplating baptism right now. Give them the courage to step out of their seats and to go public with their faith in Jesus. Give them the courage of Peter and John, <laughs> unschooled, ordinary men. What an honor it is to serve you, to be a part of what you're doing. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.